Right. Good morning. Today is May 28th, Sunday. And we are reading from the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We are reading on page 49, the paragraph starting with We Who Have Traveled, up to and including paragraph on page 51, starting with This World of Ours. Marietta will be our reader, followed by a 20-minute <coughs> share by Katie G. Marietta, will you please read for us? All right. Hi, Marietta, recovered compulsive overeater in Virginia. And here we go. We who have traveled this dubious path beg you to lay aside prejudice e even against organized religion. We have learned that whatever the human frailties of various faiths may be, those faiths have given purpose and direction to millions. People of faith have a logical idea of what life is all about. Actually, we used to have no real conception, whatever. We used to amuse ourselves by cynically dissecting spiritual beliefs and practices when we might have observed that many spiritual-minded persons of all races, colors, and creeds have we're demonstrating a degree of stability, happiness, and usefulness in which we should have sought ourselves. Instead, we look at human def defects of these people and sometimes use their shortcomings as basis for wholesale condemnation. We talked of intolerance while we were intolerant ourselves. We misuse, miss the reality of the beauty of the forest because we were diverted by the ugliness of some of the trees. We never gave spiritual side of life a fair hearing. In our personal stories, we, you will find a wide variation of the way each teller approaches and conceives of the power which is greater than himself. Whether we agree with the practical approach, particular approach or conception seems to make little difference. Experience has taught us that these were matters about which our purpose, we need not be worried. They are questions for each individual to settle for himself. On one proposition, however, these men and women are strikingly agreed. Every one of them has gained access to and believes in a power greater than himself. This power has in each case accomplished the miraculous the humanly impossible. A celebrated American statesman put it, let's look at the record. Here are thousands of men and women, worldly indeed. They flatly declared that since they have come to believe in a power greater than themselves, to take a certain attitude towards that power and to, to do certain simple things, there has been a revolutionary change in their way of living and thinking. In the face of collapse and despair, in the face of the total failure of their human resources, they have found a new power, peace, happiness, and sense of direction flowed into them. This happened soon after they wholeheartedly met a few simple requirements. One, once confused and baffled by the seemingly fatality of existence, they show the underlying reasons why they were making heavy going of life. Leaving aside the drink question, they tell why living was so unsatisfactory. 
They show how the change came over them when many thousands of people are able to say that the consciousness of a presence of God in, is today the most important fact of their lives. They present a powerful reason why one should have faith. This world of ours has made more material progress in the last century than in all the millenniums which went before. Almost everyone knows the reason. Students of ancient history tell us that the intellects of the men of those days were equal to the best of today. Yet in ancient times, material progress was painfully slow. The spirit of modern science, inquiries, research, and invention are almost unknown. In the realm of the material, men's minds were fluttered by superstition, tradition, and all sorts of fixed ideas. Some of the contemporaries of Columbus thought a round world preposterous. Others came near putting Galileo to death for his astronomical heresies. Thank you, Marietta. Let me be a service. Thank you. Really appreciate your um, service today. And now it's my pleasure to introduce our speaker today, Katie G. Katie, you have the floor. Hey, everyone. This is Katie G. I am recovered from compulsive eating. And um, thank you for this beautiful meeting and for the opportunity um, to share today. This is an action-packed <clears throat> couple pages. Um, so the reason I'm here to talk is, you know, it says on page 51, you know, um, many hundreds of people are able to say that the consciousness of the presence of God is today the most important factor of my life um, and point presenting a powerful reason why I should have faith. And, you know, I went back and I've been listening to the amazing speakers talking about this and thought about my own kind of faith path and um, just really want to say like, I never, um, I never doubted the existence of God. For me, I just didn't think I was good enough. So ever since I was a little girl, I was um, raised Catholic, which I had many, much bigotry against. Um, and I was on my knees all the time, like praying for everybody because I thought that I had to prove myself to God. And that went on through the years. And um, if you've heard me recently, you'll know that that went on through the years um, over the past couple of years. I have been a member of Overeaters Anonymous um, since I was 27 and I'm not anymore. And um, I um, exercised bulimically um, until last June at which point I realized that I was um, not abstinent and that the God of my understanding had become exercise embodied and that something had to change. And so much of that, again, was about proving my worth, proving my worth everywhere in OA, um, as a wife, as a mom. And, um, you know, I'm here today also because lack of power is my dilemma. And so um, what I've been told, so I'm just getting my timer, what I've been told is that if I take a sufficient step one, um, then there has to be a power greater than me. And my step one experience with God, like I, I came in here with a lot of bigotry against organized religion. And, and a phrase that really helped me that I used was I'm spiritual, but not religious. 
which I have since found is loaded with um, a lot of, was loaded for me with a lot of contempt. And the best thing that happened to me prior to going through the work again and getting a deeper connectivity with God um, was that all I knew last year at this time was that what I was doing wasn't working and that there had to be something. That was my God, was that I was entirely broken. I looked like I was straight out of the Holocaust. Um, I didn't know it. I was sharing on Vision for You like I had a God and I didn't. I was lying because I was so uncomfortable being in my own skin. And thank God, since that time, a God has entered into my mind and my heart in a way that is indeed miraculous. Um, I would love to tell you, don't worry about the God thing. Um, but I, all I can say is don't worry about what you call it, you know, um, because the whole point of this program for me is I have a power that can rescue me from me um, and my thinking. So I'm just going to jump into the chapter because that's enough. So uh, I, I alluded to it, you know, I, I was raised Catholic and I really was, um, I just didn't feel like I belonged. Um, the, the, the next door neighbors, they were really Catholic and they did everything really good. And I ended up believing that I was punished because I grew up in this, you know, abnormal household. And so I thought, you know what, you know, those Catholics, they're wrong. And I was very quick to say I'm spiritual, but not religious as if religion was the problem. And I love that it says, you know, I, um, that people of faith have a logical idea of what life is all about. And when I came into the rooms of OA, you know, I saw these people like on fire with God and they had very, very like strong faith build practices. Like they were, um, they were Roman Catholic. They were born again, Christians. They were Buddhist. They were on um, so many different, um, religions, but I saw that there was something inside of them that was lit up, but I was so caught up in my own, you know, prejudice about, um, what religion looked like. Um, I ignored that, you know, spiritually minded people, people who believe in God, like, have you ever noticed that they're just peaceful? Like I just heard someone speaking and she was talking about her understanding of God and, you know, um, two things she said. One is that God is very quiet. So if I want to know God's will, I'm not making a pros and cons list. I'm not, you know, interviewing everyone in Overeaters Anonymous. I'm actually going to God and getting quiet. Um, and then the other thing, um, I just noticed that people with both spirituality and religion um, really were demonstrating something that I didn't have. Um, and I want to move on and, and talk about like, um, it was very easy. I spent a lot of time and can still, if I'm not spiritually fit, spend a lot of time being intolerant of others. You know, that's a character defect that comes up for me all the time. And intolerant is rigid, narrow-minded, one-sided. You know, if Overeaters Anonymous, like if a facet of OA does something wrong, then I'm like, that entire facet of OA is wrong and all their friends are wrong because I'm some, you know, spiritual guru, which is not true. You know, I mean, the thing is, we're all human beings or I'm a human being. Um, and I got so blocked by my ego um, that I didn't want to give the spiritual side of life a fair hearing, which means 
you know, just trying it. Like I was so blocked by me, I couldn't try it. Um, and so here, I love this paragraph, page 50. Like if you don't know whether to call it Buddha, Jesus, Allah, like whatever it is, here's the promise. It makes no little, it makes little difference. We need not be worried. This is for you to settle with yourself. And it's actually really fun to explore. Like, I want you to know, like I came in and I acted as if because all I knew was that what I was doing wasn't working. And so my sponsor said, thank you, God. I said, thank you, God. My sponsor took quiet time. I, I took quiet time. It didn't matter. Um, and, you know, people say you can have a doorknob. Now, credit to Sandy B. I don't know a lot of people with double digit recovery that still call their God a, a doorknob. Like for me, what I found is I came in and what was really accessible for me was Buddhism. And then I moved on to Christianity and I've recently joined a church, an Episcopal church. And um, my husband is Jewish. Like for me, what's most important about my spiritual life is that I continue to grow. Like I was talking with a really good friend, like it's so fun to explore religion and faith. Like that's my quiet time every day. Like I, and I go through dynamic phases. Um, anyway, so I'm going to go back. Sorry. So we're all here. Those who are recovered are saying, okay, this is how I've come to believe with a power greater than me. Um, and all of us have number one gained access to, right? So how do I gain access? Well, I've got to put the food down and it's not, remember, this isn't no flour, no sugar anonymous. This is OA. And so this, for me, it's been very crucial and life-changing for me to understand that this is not just putting down a product. This is not engaging in addictive food behaviors and working towards maintaining a healthy body weight, right? So how do I gain access? It's through the 12 steps. And again, if I take a first step really strongly, what I found is that um, God just started coming to me through like God winks and, um, it talks about accomplishing the miraculous and the humanly impossible. And I just want to say for me, you know, what's been miraculous is again, last year at this time, like, if you know my story in OA, I, I, I came in, I had nobody and nothing. Um, and I got married in the rooms of OA. Um, I had children after, um, four or five years of really, really traumatizing fertility treatment. And the worst thing that happened to me was that I got everything that I want. And the reason I say that was the worst thing happened happening to me is because I thought that that external stuff did something for me, that that meant I was a good little girl and I performed right for God. Um, but I was so lost. And I'll tell you, the one thing that kept me the most lost is what I consider a tradition <laughs> that was in my life, which we'll talk about in a little bit, which is that I learned at some point early in recovery that if you're in just coming out of relapse or you're new, don't take time with God, don't waste your time, you're not connected. And one of the most life-changing things for me was to learn, like, I loved, um, so in the previous reading, it talks about God does not make two harsh terms with those who honestly seek. The realm of the spirit is broad, roomy, all-inclusive, never exclusive or forbidding to those who honestly seek. 
And to me, that reminds me of like my favorite sweatshirt, which is like XL and I can like put it on and there's no restraints. And that's who God is. Like God is this, you know, it doesn't matter who I am or where I am. Like what's so beautiful is like, if I want God, all I have to do is take a deep breath because we're going to find out where did God put me, put himself right inside of me. Right. And so I have to, in order to gain access to, I have to uncover all the stuff that's not me. And so for me, what was so powerful is this last go around, I started taking a half an hour time with God every day. And it wasn't this formal Buddhist meditation practice. It was um, talking about God and singing about God and reading the Bible and reading the 24 hour a day book and things like that. So Oh my goodness, Kim, there's so much here. So anyway, so then gaining access to is during doing the step. So, but the the revolutionary change that has happened to me is I got everything I wanted. I looked like I was dying, right? And I couldn't show up for my life. I live in the suburbs of Boston, Massachusetts. I'm not currently employed. I have a husband and two kids. What do I have to complain about? I have the spiritual malady. I was dead. I couldn't understand why my husband couldn't take care of the kids so I could exercise every day. I couldn't understand why my children wouldn't just shut up so I could go exercise. Like I was absolutely miserable. External things never have done anything for me. And so the best thing, again, that revolutionary change for me was about a whole shift in the way I live my life. Like the most important relationship in my life is God. But my, my understanding was that if the most important relationship in my life was God, like, do I have to spend time with God? Well, yeah, but I was like, oh, I, I spend time with God when I'm, you know, um, exercising or doing this during that. Like, I don't know about you, but if you're telling me you're going to spend like 50 minutes on the exercise bike with me while music is blaring in your ear and actually have a conversation with me like I don't really want to talk to you um so without God what I I love at the top of 51 it says we are making heavy going of life leaving aside the food problem they tell why living was so unsatisfactory because I I lived in this old belief this fixed idea which we talk about in a little while this preoccupation in my mind that I had to be good enough, that I had to do something to earn God's love. And the thing is, spoiler alert, there's nothing that I need to do to earn God's love, right? Like I just have to turn my face and there is a power greater than me that loves me, that holds my hand. And I am brand new in exploring this relationship. And the way I do that is through entire abstinence and the steps and living this spiritual life, which is constant thought of others. Um, but I will say that the consciousness of this God is the most important thing in my life. And, you know, the point of agnostics, I love that it says we agnostics. So it's like, um, I can get, you know, turn over my will in my life around my food, right? But then I don't want to turn over my marriage, because what if God doesn't want me to be married? Or I don't want to turn around, turn over my kids. Like, I love that it says we agnostics, because what it's saying is like, yeah, like we are agnostic. Like I still can get into doubt. Like I'm not the Buddha. I'm a human being. Like I'm not entirely enlightened, but we get to go to agnostics and read and study and remember, 
you know, um, one of the best things that I thought of with this um, paragraph about the realm of the material men's minds being fettered by superstition, tradition, and all sorts of fixed ideas. Like, if you're old enough to be me, you remember the Jetsons. And the Jetsons, like, flew around in their little automated cars, and they had phones on which you could see each other and talk to each other, and they could go, do, 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 and their food would come up, and it would be warm. That's our life today. Like I have this, you all show up on this. Like, like I did not think in my best thinking as an eight-year-old that I would ever live like the Jetsons. I mean, call me the Jetsons. That's who I am now. And I think the most powerful thing, like it talks about superstition, like how I can, like the superstitions that I can have in related to my, um, my food addiction. Like if I get on the scale every day, I can avoid weight gain or um, this preoccupation that I only have value in work if I look a certain way. I mean, these are things that I have struggled with that I still struggle with, not the behaviors, but like coming, coming back to the fear that comes up for me when I'm living in life. Um, and then traditions, like things that I just keep doing. Oh, um, how about superstitions in my mind? Do you remember the secret, that book? Like if I could just think my way into it, or if I can just get that relationship with God, I'm going to get, you know, get the relate, the relationship with my husband or like all the lies that I told myself that you all heard, like when I get married, I'm going to be okay. When I have those kids, I'm going to be okay. And it's not true, right? Like, yes, I have a beautiful life today. That's filled, but my life is empty if I don't have God. Um, and you know, what I find really helpful too. Oh, I, I just want to go back. I just, if I say anything to you today, like, I just want to encourage you a couple things. Like this realm of the spirit is broad, roomy, all inclusive, never exclusive or forbidding. And, you know, later on in the steps, it talks about, um, being quick to see where religious people are right to make use of what they offer. Like I have learned so much from different religions, from different spiritual practices that I now take into my own practices. And the other thing is, um, you know, this idea like spiritual people, to say I'm spiritual is just that I have a personal relationship with God. To say I'm religious is saying I am having a community relationship with God. And so when I was saying it in the past, it was like, really condemning people who are religious. And I have to tell you, the more that I can set aside everything I think I know, like I have a twofold illness, right? Allergy of the body, which when I put it down within 48 hours, I'm, I'm neutral, right? Like, but I have that obsession on mind. My, I have a thinking problem and I have to keep going deeper with God. And that is how I have learned is, um, you know, it talks about in, um, Later in the chapters, it talks about like many of us have found it helpful to go go to different um, organized religions and to expand. The other place that I really expand is through sponsorship and um, and helping others. Right, like I I missed that um, that I'm God's girl today, and that what He wants me to do is to fit myself to be of maximum service to Him and those around me. And that doesn't mean that I get to choose like where I do service. Like I don't get to say, okay, well, I'm going to go to Kim G's meeting and I'm going to 
you know, share my story or I'm going to, you know, do whatever. Like I actually think that fitting myself to be of maximum service means in that morning quiet time, like asking God, okay, with my family, please help me demonstrate kindness, patience, tolerance, and love. Okay. In Overeaters Anonymous, if I'm asked to do service, do I say yes? And then intensive work with others, which frankly doesn't always mean you're a formal sponsee working with me. It means my calling newcomers. How about am I going through my phone and calling people who I haven't heard from in a while? I've had some of the most powerful discussions with people who've just not been showing up anymore, right? And if you're worried about the God thing, the whole point of this book, the whole point of agnostics is like it entirely convinces me that it makes more sense to believe than to not believe. And, you know, like, I mean, it says like the contemporaries of Columbus thought around earth preposterous. Like, I don't know about you, but I pretty much accept that our earth is not like, if I keep going in my little sailboat, I'm not going to like fall off the earth. But these are the things that we used to believe. So like, please God, can I continue? Like who the heck cares? I'm recovered today. What are my old ideas? Like, what are my superstitions today? Like, If I say recovered, I'm going to eat. If I don't say recovered, I'm not going to eat. If I have 10 sponsees, right? Like that is not God. But I just, I encourage you to get a sponsor, get your book and get rocketed. Like God is for all of us, no matter how you do or do not define. And that is my alarm clock without it. Perfect timing, Katie. Great job.